Welcome to the City Point Podcast. For more information, please visit us online at citypoint.tv or our Facebook page, City Point Church. Praise the Lord. I'm just happy to be here with you this morning. How, come, how about everybody just stand up on your feet? Father, I just thank you. I thank you, Lord, that the winds of change are coming to this region. I thank you, Father, that you're coming by your spirit to move in power in ways that naturally they could not have moved. But you are coming by your spirit to make way for them. I thank you, Lord, that the anointing that rests on this house won't stay in this house. But I saw in the spirit roll-top doors. I saw the doors rolling up on the sides of these buildings. And the glory of the Lord began to stretch down the seats. It began to stretch down the highways. It began to stretch down parking lots. It began to stretch into homes. The glory of the Lord will flow from this house and the wind of God will move it. And we just thank you, Lord. Let's just say yes to him. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. My life is a continual yes, Lord. Yes. Thank you, Lord. You can be seated. It's an honor to be here, and I want to thank the pastors, thank the women's pastors who are here, and all of you wonderful women. You have some powerful women in Indiana. I just thought Texas was anointed. Indiana is anointed. Amen. Yes, you are. Well, recently the Lord gave me, he gave me a prophetic word for our city. How many of you know God has a plan for your city? He doesn't, look, he doesn't look down, and even in the Bible, he never broke it down to a church. He broke it down to a region, the church of Ephesus, the church of Corinth. He broke it down to the church of a city. And I believe God is doing something uniquely in this city and in this region, and he's doing it with people who will be willing to partner with what heaven is saying. And here's the thing. For us in our city, this is what the Lord has been showing me. This is the prophetic word. Our prayer and what we are doing in the spirit, what we we are doing is shifting our city into its prophetic destiny. Do you know that God has a prophetic destiny for a city? He has a prophetic plan for a region and a city. And what he began to show me as I was praying is that we would be a gateway to the south. That that things that come through from the northern areas, they won't be able to travel through the south because our city will be a gateway to expose those things, expose the trafficking, expose all of the drugs that have come in through. I'm tired of my city being known for its drug culture, and I'm tired of my city being known for its destruction. And you know what we do about it? We get in the place of prayer and get strategy from God. But if we stay in the place of prayer, nothing will happen until we let those roll-top doors come open and we begin to flood out into the city with the strategy that God gives us. God always gives us a plan and a strategy. It's like tools in the belt. How many of you women got you some tools in the tool belt? Men, I'm trying to appeal to you. Tool belts. (laughs) And this is what God does. He puts strategy in our tool belt so that we can go out and be effective for the kingdom. Amen. And even if the tool belt is a vice grip, squeeze me because I don't want anything in me that can't represent you out there. And that's the problem. Far too many times what's in us can't represent him out there. And that's God's plan is to get that bitterness, get whatever it may be, get the gossip out of our mouth, get whatever it may be so that we can represent him out there. Because they don't want to follow someone who doesn't look like him. They've seen the hypocritical thing. They've seen the judgment. They've seen all of these things. But what they want to see is him. I never met anyone like Jesus. Never in my life. When he rescued me, I didn't deserve him to rescue me. I wasn't doing everything right. In fact, I was at the lowest point of my life at 19 years of age when Jesus found me. But when he found me, he didn't leave me how I was. He transformed everything I thought about myself, everything I thought about my life. He transformed me, and that's what the world wants. That's what our world is looking for. And I'm just so encouraged when I talk to the people here this weekend, it is, I've heard your hearts and your hearts are for this city. It's never been about anything that's going on in this room, but this room right here 
is a strategy room. This room right here is a war room. This room right here is not just a place to come and, oh, it feels really good. This room right here is a place to say, this is what God is saying. We need to drive over there, and we need to rule out those spirits of darkness. This place right here, this room right here is going to give you plans when you go back into your workplace and your coworker is depressed and your coworker doesn't know what to do. You're going to give them the word of the Lord. You're going to give the encouragement. You're going to shift the atmosphere everywhere you go because you found yourself in a room that'll give you strategy. And if we're not listening to heaven, we'll miss out on the opportunities that God gives us. And so this is what I say, Lord, redeem the time. Redeem it where I've missed you, Lord. Redeem it. And I believe today the Lord has given me a word for you all. Amen. Amen. Who has their Bibles? Get them up. Let me see them. If you have it on your phone, it will not explode. <laughs> it's just a tool. Just don't be on Facebook. Be on the Bible. Amen? Amen. You can't win without your Bible. You can't win without the Word of God because it's truth. He put His Word above His name. And if you haven't read it in a few days, you probably feel down or depleted or tired. So get that Word out. It's your sword. It's your weapon. It's truth. When everything in life tells you, I don't know, the Word will tell you exactly what God says about you. Amen? Amen. We're going to be in the book of Joshua, Joshua chapter 1. And we're going to read 1 through 9. After the death of Moses, the servant of God spoke to Joshua. God spoke to Joshua. Moses, my servant, is dead. Get going. Cross that Jordan River, you and all of the people. Cross to the country I'm giving you, Every square inch of the land that you set your foot on, just as I promised Moses, from the wilderness to the Euphrates, all the country and west of the great sea, it's all yours. All of your life, no one will be able to hold out from you. Have strength and have courage. You are going to lead this people to inherit the land that I've promised their ancestors. Give it everything you have, heart and soul, and make sure you carry out this revelation. Don't get off track. And I want to tell you this morning, don't you get off track. Don't get off track. Don't for one minute let this book of revelation out of your mind. Ponder it, meditate on it day and night, practice it. Then you'll get where you're going and you'll succeed. Have strength and have courage. Don't be timid. And don't get discouraged. I loved how the Lord was just moving this morning during worship, removing discouragement. Because at times we do get discouraged. But you know where your strength comes from? The presence of the Lord. He begins to lift discouragement off of you. And if some of you are only doing that when you come in this room, you're missing out on what God wants to do every single day. Because I can tell you as, as a person, as a human who's alive Sometimes discouragement comes, but you decide how long you let it stay. Because I know this, when I get in the presence of God, all of those feelings begin to change. All of those things that I think, oh God, how? The hows begin to be removed and God be begins to become bigger than all of those things that I'm thinking about. You need to, in your car, in your home, wherever you are, welcome the presence of God. It was never meant to be just in a room. It was meant to be wherever you go. You house his presence because you have his spirit. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, you know where it is? It's in you. It's in you. Now turn to Exodus 3. Exodus 3, verse 7 through 8. And God said, I've taken a good long look at the affliction of my people in Egypt I've heard their cries for deliverance from their slave masters. I know all of their pain. Now I've come down to help them and pry them loose from the grip of Egypt to get them out of that country and bring them to a good land with wide open spaces, a lush land full of milk and honey. Everybody say milk and honey. And so as we look, God told Moses this, I've heard your cries of my people. I've heard their cries. I want to bring them into the promised land. 
And the first portion of scripture was 40 years later. Everybody say 40 years. I'm 40 years old. And I'm happy about it. But I don't think I would have wanted to live my whole life in the wilderness for 40 years. You see, they, never, they hadn't entered that promise. So God looks to the next generation, to Joshua, and he says, it's time. And I want to say to you today, it's time. It is time. So this morning, we're going to talk about crossing over. Say crossing over. You see, scholars said that it should have taken men, notice I said men, three to four days to go from the Red Sea to the edge of Canaan, which was their promised land. Now, if you add a few women to the trip, then if you want to take your children and all your belongings, and really they got all of the spoils from Egypt, they begin to, that's why, that's why Pharaoh was after them. He had, their, he had their stuff. They had the gold. They had the good stuff. So they determined it would have taken, scholars say, that it would probably have taken around 11 days to take the women and the children to go from Egypt to promise. And I can relate to this situation because if my husband's going to go somewhere and it takes five hours, he's probably going to get there in about four hours because he just doesn't have any backup. He's just go, 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 go. But if I'm going... It's probably going to take about eight hours because I like to stop and get coffee. I like to stop and go to the restroom. Can I get any amen from the men today? Yeah, yeah. But if I take my children, oh, two days later we may get there because they take a lot longer. My point is this. When you carry baggage, sometimes it takes more time. And your family is not baggage. But I am speaking of baggage that can hold you back from promise. What baggage are you carrying around that's delaying your journey? What insecurity, what sin, what friends are keeping you from moving into the calling that God has on your life? You see, baggage will delay your promise. And as I'm studying in the scriptures, I begin to ask myself, what in the world took them so long? And then I think about me, what in the world's taking me so long? Have you, ever, have you ever asked God, God, what's taking so long? What has kept us from that promise? In Numbers 33, it's a review of all of the places that the children of Israel went from the time they left Egypt. It tells every stop that they made if you read throughout that scripture. It's kind of like campsites on their journey where they stopped. I'm going to read a few of them to, of you, to you. Numbers 33 to 11, they went from Elib and they camped in the Red Sea. They left the Red Sea, and they camped in the wilderness of Sin. They journeyed from the wilderness of Sin and went to Dolka. They departed from Dolka and went to Elush. And I was thinking, why did you tell everywhere they went, Lord? Why did, why did you have all this documented? So I just kind of begin to dig in. Sometimes you need to dig in. There's a reason behind the reason, usually. But we just sometimes we just let it go. You need to dig in a little bit deeper and figure out what's delaying my journey. What is this thing that's holding me up? One of the places they stopped at was Mara. Everybody say Mara. Mara means bitter. Elam. Elam means well of water. They went to Kilbrook. That means, that means graves of lust or want. They went to Repidan. That means place of rest. And they went to the wilderness of sin. And we all can imagine what the wilderness of sin might look like. So along their journeys, they went from wilderness to resting places, from hard places to refreshing places. They were going in and out of seasons, and God often communicates in seasons. He communicates, he communicates in types and shadows. He communicates in seasons of sowing and seasons of reaping, seasons of, seasons of planting and seasons of harvest. He moves in these seasons. And that's what they did. They went from wilderness places to resting places. You see, no one told Israel, when you leave Pharaoh, you're going to have a little journey. You're going to go to some wildernesses. You're going to go to some hard places. You're going to go through, through some things. You're going to have some battles to fight. You're going to go through some wilderness places, some resting places, dry places. You're going to go through some places where you're going to have to cry out to God. So when I ask you today, have any of you received a promise? I believe this church has received a promise for this region. 
and you've gone from wilderness, God, where are you? To resting places where you've seen things. In wilderness, gosh, I thought we were moving forward. Now what is this? To resting, wow, God, you're doing it. Wilderness to resting places on this journey. This church has a promise to possess this land. And today, I really believe the Lord's word to you is this, cross over. Cross over. You will not cross over if you are unwilling to fight some battles and lose a little baggage. You have to fight for your promises and pursue it. When hell comes after your children, you better know how to fight. And I don't know about you, but I'm not raising just any kids. I'm raising kids to stand up to bullies, to stand up to oppression, to stand up to kids who are cutting themselves and who don't want to live. I'm raising my kids to stand up to the enemy because they don't have to grow up in a wilderness. They need to grow up knowing that God has given them authority as children of God to say, no, I'm not going to do that. This little boy told my son this week, he was like, you are a loser. And my little boy said, never say that about me again. He's six years old. And he said, and he said it again to me, Mom. And I told him, never say that about me again. And so I was talking to him about it, and I said, what happened? And he said, I rebuked him. I'm like, you know how to rebuke him? You know why? He didn't learn that in Sunday school. He watched his mama rebuke the devil when the devil tries to show up in our home. He watched his daddy say, no, 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 I'm not taking that because that's not God's promise for me. And we have to teach our children to stand up. We Don't wait till they're adults and pray for them to come back to God. You better raise them now to fight the enemy because he will come knocking at their door. And he wants to steal their promise. He wants to steal their hope. But I'm telling you, there's an army of children and we're going to see them rise up and you're raising them right now. They may be your grandchildren or they may be the kid across the street, but you find somebody and make an investment in this next generation. Teach them to rebuke the devil. He challenges me. I'm like, yes, rebuke him. I hope his mama don't call me, but if she does, I might rebuke her. I don't know. (laughs) Amen. So what kept Israel from crossing over? The first thing I'm going to talk to you about is complaining. Everyone say complaining. Complaining. The definition of complaint is this. To express dissatisfaction or annoyance about where they are. Have you ever been annoyed at where you are? Exodus 15 says this. They complained about the bitter water. They were probably in Mara when they did that. Exodus 16 said they complained about being hungry. In Exodus 17, they complained about being thirsty. In Numbers 12, they complained about their leader. In Numbers 14, they complained about how difficult the land looked to possess. See, they complained about everything. Maybe that's why God called them children. They complained about everything. Philippians 2 and 14 says this. Do everything without complaining and arguing. It's time to consecrate our tongue. Stop speaking doubt. Stop cursing what God has blessed. Because see, it's only supposed to be 11 days. But what comes out of your mouth might determine how long that it takes. And I don't want a 40-day journey when I can get there in just a couple of weeks. And if this right here is what is causing me to be delayed, then I can make that choice to make a change. We need to change what we say. Change how we communicate. You will not change your situation or anything about it until you change your words. My husband this week, he was telling me about we are believing. We are contending for some property. We know it's the will of God for us. And he began to tell me, this is going on with that property, and that's going on with that property, and we're going to have to do this, and we're going to have to do that. And I look over at him, and I say, milk and honey, milk and honey, because I know it is a promised land for us. And I'm not looking at all of the obstacles, and are there giants? Yes. But I'm not focusing on those giants. I'm looking at the milk and the honey, because God said it's a promise for us. And until we change our language, we'll never change change our situation ever 
You know, you think about those artists who write about their death. The rap artists, the other artists, they write about the split up and the breakup, and then you see it manifest in their life. You know why? Because they're singing it. It's in their spirit. It's what's coming out of their mouth. I heard a testimony of a lady, a powerful lady, and she talked about she just began with complaints in her home. She began to say, I'm tired of picking up this laundry. I'm tired of picking up these Pepsi cans. Just murmuring and complaining and tired. And all of a sudden, it breeded something in her home that should have never been there. She left her husband. And it all started with complaints. Because what does that do in the atmosphere of your home? What do complaints do? They sure don't fix your problem. Amen, Adele. All the while, it planted discouragement. And you know what? It almost destroyed a very powerful thing. Later, she tells the story that she began to change her situation by changing her words. And that changed her whole perspective. This is what she began to do. When she would see those clothes on the floor, she would say, thank you, God, for the opportunity to serve my family. That's the family you prayed for, and now you're complaining about it. Thank you, God, for the opportunity to serve at this church. We were believing for a church. We were believing for this outreach. And I'm not going to complain because I have to get up on Saturday. I'm going to be excited because we're going to go transform this city. I'm not going to complain because I have to sow into this ministry. It is, my, it is my honor to bless this thing. You won't change anything about your life until you change your mouth, until you change your complaints. See, some of you need to thank God for every opportunity. And if you want to know where your life is headed, look what's coming out of your mouth. Some of your converse, conversation is saying, I guess we need another lap around the mountain. I guess we need another wilderness season. I don't know about you, but I'm like, just don't even call me because I don't want to say anything negative because I want to go to the promised land. If you realized how powerful you were, how powerful your tongue is, this is what the Bible says. Life and death are in the power of your words. Some people choose life, but they speak death. That's double-minded. And the Bible says this, if you are double-minded, you will be unstable, and you will never win the battles that you want to win. And some of you, you dream of a good marriage. You dream of a good family, but you curse it with your words, and you curse it with the things that are coming out of your mouth. And I can just see you doing this. I do this a lot. I drive around my city, and I just begin to do prayer, prayer drives. You probably do it here. Just find places that are in darkness, and I just drive by. What do I do? I begin to release the light. Light, come to this area where there's darkness and when there's been, when there's been anger, when there's been drive-by shootings, you're not coming to this area. I release peace, and I let, Father, I ask you to send your angels to this area. I deliberately do this things, these things for what reason? Because I am a watchman for my city, and you are a watchman for your city, and I just see you raising up prayer drives. Begin to go into those places and release hope where there's no hope. Change that situation. See, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 10 and 4, the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. Although we live in a natural realm, we don't wage military campaign using human weapons. Instead, our spiritual weapons are energized with divine power to dismantle defenses behind which people hide. We can demolish everything that opposes God and break through every arrogant attitude that's raised up against the knowledge of God. We capture like prisoners of war every thought and say that it has to bow down to the anointed one. And since we are armed with such dynamic weaponry, we get rid of every trace of rebellion as soon as you choose to obey. See, Paul says we have dynamic weaponry. And it's not on your hip. You know where it is? God attached it to the front of your face. 
That's your dynamic weaponry to take down the enemy every single time. Your mouth is your dynamic weaponry. My little boy at six years old saying, I rebuke you. I am not a loser. Is his dynamic weaponry against the enemy to take down strongholds. And I think the church has made it way too hard. And I come to unwrap that mystery and say, use your mouth to declare the word of God. Use your mouth to take down strongholds. Use your mouth to set people free. So some of you, you're going to put a watch about your tongue. Tell your friend, if you got something to say that's negative, don't call me. Go ahead and tell him. Go ahead and tell him. Let's make a decision. No corrupt communication can come out of our mouths. I want to challenge you with this. 11 days with no corrupt communication. No negative speech. No negative talk. You may think it, but don't you say it. Don't you say it. And if you think it, cast the thought down. Because you know Here's the thing. Sometimes the thought comes, but it's what you do with the thought. Do you entertain it? Do you give it power? Do you give it life? Does it begin to manifest out of your mouth? Or do you say, I cast that thought down? You know, Moses talked to the burning bush. Well, I talk to things all of the time. I rebuke that, you know. I mean, the thought will just come in, and I, I don't even let it give a place to plant in my mind. Because if you plant, if it plant, if it stays there very long, somebody will come along and water it. It's like the law of attraction. It will find you. Like, you're the most, you, the most negative person will find you if you let that seed stay there. And they'll begin to water it. And all of a sudden, the thing that God wanted to set you free from, you've watered, and it's made a whole village in your mind. 11 days, get your calendars out and look, 11 days of no complaints. The second thing, they look to a past season. Everyone say past season. Have you ever missed Egypt? See, the children of Israel had been out for about a month, and they realized they weren't so sure about this journey. When things got hard, they started looking back. In Exodus 16, it says this, why didn't God let us die in the comfort? They were slaves. In the comfort of Egypt, where at least we had stew and bread. You've brought us out to this wilderness to starve us. Because they lacked comfort, they wanted to go back to bondage. And to some people, bondage feels better than freedom. You know why? Because you're comfortable. Freedom's a little scary, right, women? We talked about that this weekend. Standing on the mountainside's a little scary. But it's going to get you to your destination. You will never fulfill the plan of God for your life if you stay in, the, in your comfort zone. This region will never be transformed if you plan to stay in your comfort zone. This city will never be shaken by God if you plan to stay in your comfort zone. I daily confess this. I am comfortable outside of my comfort zone. I boldly step out of my comfort zone to obey God. Do I feel that way? Goodness, no. But I'm saying it. I'm believing it because why? Faith comes by hearing. We need to hear ourselves say, I am getting out of my comfort zone. I'm going places that I've never gone before. I'm trusting God with my future. I'm comfortable out there on the deep waters. I'm not comfortable with my toes in the sand. And you know what? You say it long enough and you'll end up on a stage in Indiana. I refuse to go back to bondage because I'm afraid. I refuse to settle. If God is for me, I don't care who's against me. Because greater is he that's in me. I'm a bold force for the kingdom of God. I'm going to move mountains and I'm going to shake things. Why? Because I'm not limited by myself. If I was standing here, y'all would be looking at me. But you know what? He lives in me. I have his spirit. I don't have my mind. I have the mind of Christ is what the Bible says. I don't think like Autumn. I think like God because I've meditated on his word. And some of you need to start thinking that way. The devil has you defeated and you are not defeated. You are powerful. You are a bold force to change this city. That's why Jesus said, it's good for me to go. Because now you can have dominion. You know why Moses did not enter the promised land? 
Moses didn't enter because he chose the method of the past season instead of the current word that God had given him. We can't do what we did last year when we first got saved. We've got to hear directly from God in every season. We can't do what we did last time and hope that it works because that might not be what God is saying to us. You see, Israel had needed water. And the first time God told Moses to do what? Strike the rock. Strike the rock and water came. But later on in the journey, the children of Israel were complaining because they needed water. So Moses heard their complaints and what did he do? He struck the rock again. But that's not what God told him to do. God told him to do what? Use their what? Their dynamic weapon and speak to the rock. He was angry with the people and it looked as if he made the water come in his own strength and not how God told him. And this is what God said, because you didn't believe me, you shall not bring this assembly into the land that I have given them. What you did last season, it may not work this season. You have to hear the voice of the Lord in every season. You know, I told the women this this weekend. That's why I have secret place time with God. That's why I spend time with his presence, in his presence. And time in his presence is never time wasted. Don't let the world tell you you're wasting your time. Don't let your daily schedule, the hamster wheel, make you feel like you're wasting your time. I encounter God, and you will encounter God if you choose to meet with him. He'll give you direction for your, for your day if you commune with him. And I routinely have this time with him because I find strength in the presence of the Lord. I enjoy his company. Sometimes we dance. Sometimes we laugh. Sometimes we draw. Sometimes we're just quiet and nothing happens. Sometimes we just talk. But don't let religion rob you of real relationship with God. He's real and he speaks. And if you don't schedule time with him, the world will always rob you of that time. There's always going to be someone else. There's always going to be something dinging on that phone. Always. But it's not more important than hearing from heaven. It's not more important than the encouragement and the life that you get with fellowship with God. You know, one morning I was in my, in my little room where I meet with the Lord, and it's like, it's like an appointment. Some of you have been missing your appointment. You would not miss your doctor's appointment, but you would have missed your appointment with God. It's like an appointment for me. And I was in there, and I was praying, and I was just spending time with the Lord. What do you want to do this morning, Lord? Because he's real. And I feel like some of you just need to crush that religious box that says he's only real when he's right here. He's not. He's everywhere. He's with you. God with us. Revealed through us. And as I was sitting there, the Lord said, pray for Judah. And I always pray for my daughter. But there was a specific thing. I was like, okay. So I just began to pray for her. God, give her strength. Give her courage. Give her, you know, she's already a bold force. Help her not to hurt anybody with her words. <laughs> she's, she is a bold, bold little girl. And so I was praying for her, and later on that day, storms began to come in our area. And Judah used to be very afraid of storms. And they just kind of came in out of nowhere. The sirens went off. I mean, we weren't forecasted for anything like that, but God knew that. And God didn't want my daughter to live in fear. So I began to pray over her. I began to declare the word of the Lord over her that Judah is firmly protected by God. See, God will give you secrets when you spend time with him. He'll tell you things in order to help you with life, help you with your children. I could not parent my children without the Holy Ghost. It's way true. He tells me things they still don't know. How did you know that, Mom? Moms just know. Thank you, Holy Ghost. And since then, I've taught her to take authority over the storms. Take authority over the fear. I remember the first time I heard Ezra say this out of his little mouth. He was three years old. And he would said, fear, you go in Jesus' name. Mom, I'm afraid in my room. I said, what do we tell fear? And he knows, go in Jesus' name. With his dynamic weapon. 
The third thing that we're going to talk about today, they listened to negative voices. See, when they got close to the promised land, they sent some spies from each of the tribe to give a report of the land. Ten of the spies came back with a negative report or a natural report. Everyone say natural report. Numbers 13 and 3 says this. The spies went in and they saw the giants. And this is what they said. We look like grasshoppers in our own mind. The giants didn't say that. They said that. We look like grasshoppers. See, if you always feel like you're a grasshopper when you're looking at a giant, you'll be afraid. You won't believe what God said. They had the mindset of defeat. They could not see themselves taking down the giants, so they spoke fear instead. And see, our supernatural God never called us to look at our promise naturally. We have to see it through eyes of faith. Your promise should take great faith. It should cause you to overcome and persevere. And if you could figure it out in your own mind, you probably don't even need God for it. It should scare you. It should make you say, God, if you don't do it, it won't happen. See, the Lord wants your yes. There's some situations in my life that I'm thinking, if God doesn't do it, but I know he will. I'll see you do it again, Lord, just like we sang. We can't look at it in our own way of figuring it out. I can't figure out this project that we're about to enter into, but I know God has it. He's already shown it to me. And some of you, you've already seen things happening in this city. You've already seen things happening in your home. You've already seen things happening at your work and your business. So you see your business this way, but in the natural, it doesn't look like anything like that is happening. But I want to tell you, you don't listen to the negative voices. You don't listen to those voices that'll say, you look like a grasshopper in this industry. There's no way. You look at those giants and say, you look big, but my God is bigger than you. You look big, city, but you're not bigger than my God. Debt, you look big, but you are not bigger than my God. Circumstances with my children, you look big, but you are not impossible with God. Do not listen to negative voices about your promise. And don't think about it naturally. See, two of the spies came back with a good report. They saw giants. They saw the same giants. But their giants weren't bigger than their God. Don't ask a spy a negative report about your promise. Don't listen to a spy with a negative report because you will die in the wilderness if you do. You will die outside of promise. And see, some people, they only consult with people who will agree with their dysfunction. They don't talk to everybody about things. They find that person who will agree with them. You need to break up with dysfunctional people so that you can pray them out because they need Jesus and they need hope. Some of you need to block them because you're going to die in the wilderness if you don't. Quit listening to their doubt. If you agree with negative people, you'll end up being dysfunctional and on the outside of promise. You better find someone like Joshua and Caleb. The original translation of that word means that they had the next spirit. And I believe you have the next spirit on you. That next spirit. You see, the devil has some of you thinking this, that you're going to be in the wilderness for a lifetime. But I came to tell you today, it's just a season. And it's going to pass. You just keep going towards your promise. You keep entering into that next. It's going to require you to speak, look, and move in faith. But it will unlock your destiny. You see, God had given the children of Israel a promise. But the generation after them received it. They fought a battle that the generation before them were supposed to fight. And as I close, Joshua 1 and 11 says this. Joshua gave the orders to the people, pass through the camp and command them to prepare provisions for yourself. This is what Joshua said. Get your stuff ready. Prepare. What you are waiting on, quit. Prepare. Some of you quit scrolling through your phones, quit playing games in life, quit doing all these other things and prepare for what God has promised you. 
Because in within three days, this is what he told Joshua, within three days, you prepare the people because we are going to possess this land that God has given to us. So wake up, quit waiting, prepare yourself and work towards the promise. We have to work towards what God has given us. You know, I think about my husband. God had told him for years to write books. He's like, I don't I write in all caps, God. I don't even know. It's true, he does. But that didn't stop him. He began to get in there and find ways to write. He began in there and find ways. And you know what? Me and the kids are sleeping. He's in there writing. He's in there getting revelation from God. When we were out at the pool swimming or whatever, what was he doing? Preparing preparing for what God had promised him. Did it look like he could do it? No. But then all of a sudden, someone came into our life and began to say, oh, this is a neat way to write a book. Because if you'll start preparing, God will start bringing people. God will start bringing situations into place. He'll start lining you up with things. It's the law of attraction. What you think about, it'll start showing up in your life. And all of a sudden, we had a book. Then we had another book. Then we're like five books. We have e-books. If you have a Kindle, we, we have it on Kindle. Why? Because he prepared for the promise. Some of you have such beautiful promises for God, from God. Joshua gave the man, and I love how he told them, we're going to cross over. This is what he said. When you see the ark, which represented the presence of God, when you see the ark, follow after it. When you see God moving, Follow after him. But you know what? you got to be looking. If you're not looking, you'll miss your hour of visitation. You'll miss your moment. We've got to watch and pray. That's not just a saying. That is action. Watch and pray. Because you're going to hear revelation from heaven. You're going to hear strategy from God to move on in. Many of you have been walking through the wilderness and you've become weary Someone sent me this just the other day, and I'm going to read it to you. She said, during the night, she woke up in extreme pain, and it kind of caught her off guard. And she looked over, and 33 was just kind of flashed before her eyes. 33 means promise. She said, I knew what Holy Spirit was telling me. Hold on to the promise. When things become difficult or problems arrive, arise, just hold on. Hold on to the promise. Those promises are bigger than whatever's difficult. And she said that she was in her car driving, and she saw this beautiful rainbow, but she could only see like a little piece of it. And what do rainbows represent? The promise. And she said, I got out of my car. It was so beautiful. She said, I, I just started taking a picture. And then I got back in my car, and I drove a little further. And she said, you know, when I was way back there, I could only see a little picture, a little piece of the promise. But as I drove a little further, the whole thing was right there. And some of you, all you see is a little piece. But don't get out and stop and take a picture. Just drive a little further. The whole thing is there. The whole thing, the whole promise for this city, for your family, for your business, for your life. The whole promise is there. Just keep going. Keep going. You know, I made a decision in my life that I'm not going to complain in the wilderness. I'm not going to look to what happened in the past season, and I'm not going to listen to the negative voices about what God has called me to cross into. I've decided that I'm, I refuse to stay in my comfort zone and die in the wilderness. And this, I refuse to let my children fight a battle that I am called to fight. I refuse to let the generation after me take the thing that God promised me because they have their own battles to fight. They have their own promises. They have their own victories. And we are called to make a way for them. See, God has promised you more than what you can see. You might be in the wilderness, 
but you have your promise. Let's just stand to our feet this morning. And I believe each of you have a response. If you don't think I'm talking to you, I am. Each of you have a response. So let's just all come and join me in this altar. Come on, you're getting out of your comfort zone. Don't listen to who's beside you. They'll talk you out of it. Come on, scoot up so everybody's got room. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Let's just lift our hands to the Lord this morning. Lord, we surrender to you. We surrender to you this morning. Come on, cry out to him. We surrender to you, Lord. These are your people. You love these people. These are your children. There's not one thing you wouldn't do for them. There's not one thing that God would not do for you because of his extravagant love. And I thank you that you have equipped them with everything they need. Come on, tell him, you've given me everything that, I've ne- that I need, God. You've given me everything that I need. Come on, and I just see the Lord lifting disappointment. I see him lifting off burdens from you. I see him lifting off generational things. I see him lifting off accusations. That's the enemy's job, to accuse the brethren. But God's job is to set you free. God's job is to give you hope and liberty. So I just see him lifting those burdens off of you today. Come on, the Lord's even given, I just see business ideas. I see opportunities coming to you. If that's you, just receive that from the Lord. Lord, I thank you that you give us God-inspired ideas. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, some of you, you've been cursing your family, and you need to repent. God, forgive me for the words that I've spoken. Come on, just ask him, forgive me, and his mercy's coming, and it's just, it's gone. Forgive me, Lord. Help me with my tongue. Help me with my dynamic weapon. I want to shoot the right thing. I want to take down the enemy and not my family. I love my family. I love whom you've given me. I love the promises that you've given me. And I ask you, Lord, consecrate my tongue. Help me, Holy Spirit. When I want to lose it, help me. Help me. Because the thing is, not one of us are perfect. And that's why Jesus came. Thank you, Lord. Some of you are going to go home with a brand new outlook on your life. Some of you, God has given you assignments for this city. Some of you are going to mobilize some things for this city. When these, door, when these roll-top doors open up, you're going to be out there face-to-face with those things in this city contending for a breakthrough. What if all of Chicago came here to get restored? What if all all of Gary came here to get restored? This is what I say about Texarkana. Texarkana is a restorative city. This city, people drive to Texarkana to get their marriages restored. People come to Texarkana to get their lives put back together. And I believe God's doing that here in Portage. He's doing it. People come here to fall in love with Jesus. People come here to get their identity back. So, Father, do it in us first. Restore our marriages. Restore our families. Let us fall in love with you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. 
And this morning, I just, some of you, you need to go home and you need to start making some appointments. Not with other people, but with God. And if he tells you to sing, he likes to hear it. If he tells you to draw, don't let your mind say, oh, no, that's not God. It's God. Draw with him. He made nature. He made beauty. He made the trees and the flowers and the oceans. Why wouldn't he want to express that through you? You know, the building that we're about to go cross into, I drew it years before. I've got it in my little drawing time with God. I didn't know that was our building. I just knew me and God were having fun. God speaks your language. He knows, the, he knows your heart. He fashioned you. He created you. He formed you in your mother's womb. And I just see the lid being taken off of your mind to dream with God again. Come on, if you want to dream with God this morning, just lift your hands to him. That's just saying, I want it. I want it, Lord. I want to dream with you. And don't look at what time you've lost. Because a lot of you are thinking, I'm already this age. I'm already. It doesn't matter. If you are alive, you can dream. Dream with God. So just ask him, Lord, let me dream. Let me dream of what you dream. Let me hear of what you hear. Thank you, Lord. And what you'll find out, the very thing that you're dreaming about is what God's dreaming about. Because he says he will give you the desires of your heart. And then you'll figure out the desires of my heart, God put them there. God put those desires in you. So I want to say to you this morning, it's a new day. It's a new time. And you're coming out and crossing over. Let's just say, cross over. Cross over. Cross over. Cross over. Cross over. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for listening to the City Point Podcast. For more information, please visit us online at citypoint.tv or our Facebook page, City Point Church.